When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. (laughs) 
Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to talk about the Week 15 defensive effort against the Packers. Here to talk about with me is our good friend, Sarah Ellison. Sarah, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. How are you? Uh, I can't complain at all. Are you, uh, you all set for Christmas or getting there? Uh, I've got my kids already, and I literally have not gotten a thing from my husband yet. Oh, he's, no. he's impossible to shop for. Um, so I got to figure that out still, but I've got time. I've got yeah. time. What about you? Uh, well, we, we, we gave up the stress of getting each other gifts a few years ago, but, but I, I did get her a little something that we, we already started playing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we love, we love escape rooms. So we do an escape room simulator for the game. Perfect. Anyway, something fun to do. Uh, wish I could escape from this game on yeah. Sunday because it was it was one of those outings that uh, that wasn't ideal. But first of all, let's talk about where folks can talk football with you online. Uh, I'm mostly on Twitter at SG Ellison. Pretty simple. Okay, and uh, very much followed and a very worthwhile follow. Uh, if uh, make sure you get Sarah, you got, you should got to be on your list of great Ravens follows. But if you're outside the division and listening to this, Sarah's a great follow for the Ravens. Uh, really tough loss here for the Ravens in this one. Uh, they played without, without a doubt a superior opponent in many different ways, uh, but certainly in some of the Ravens' uh, specific weaknesses for this game. Well, it's funny because I had, I mean, you we already know the injury situation with the Ravens, and then on top of it, especially in the secondary, Jimmy Smith and, and Westry, who's supposed to step in, you know, the night before and the morning of, they're out because of COVID. So I had gotten myself mentally ready for a blowout if need be. And, you know, and then all of a sudden the Ravens are into it all the way down to the end, which, you know, got me back into it. And, and, and then, and then they lose it in the end. So um, it was once again, a roller coaster of emotions. Um, you're proud of the way the Ravens fought. You're proud, especially of the offensive side, which I know we're not covering. Um, but then that's kind of torn away when you lose by one off of an unsuccessful two point conversion. So, um, but this thing is crazy, Ken. I mean, there's, there's about nine teams in the AFC that are all within a game of each other. Uh, Ravens are in the thick of that. Um, I think we now know that the Browns lost tonight. So Mm -hmm. everybody within the division is all about within a game of each other. So, um, this is tight, and this is exactly how the NFL wants it, exactly how they want it. Yeah, it's, it's certainly a, a, it'd be an exciting three games. So we have two of them at home. That's great. Uh, kind of wish we weren't playing the Rams, but that game against the Bengals has enormous playoff implications. I think if they, if they win it, they're certainly in the driver's seat to, be, yep. to get a playoff spot at some time. If they lose it, they're on the verge of being out because I think they'd probably have to win both remaining games. Even then, it might be difficult. Uh, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's four, eight, and six teams currently in the AFC, and somehow the Ravens, who've beaten two of the other four head-to-head, would be out in uh, that scenario. Yeah, because this is oftentimes misunderstood. Mm-hmm. It you don't the tiebreaker isn't just like head-to-head individually; it's a head-to-head sweep. If you look up the tiebreaker rules, sure. it's a head. So everybody that's tied, if one team has swept all of them, then that's when the head-to-head kicks in, but the Ravens haven't played the Bills, who's one of the tied teams. So then that tiebreaker's kicked out, and you go down to the uh, best conference record, and the Ravens have a terrible conference record, including a terrible division record, um, but they're at 500 in the conference, giving the Colts and the Chargers the, the leg up for the last two wildcard spots. But again, 
Ravens are in complete control of their destiny. And I agree with you. This is massive. This game is massive. And at the same time, the rest of the, the division has tough games too. I mean, oh, the yeah. Bengals and uh, the Steelers both have Kansas City still, and they're Kansas City's 10-4, and four, I believe. Cleveland um, has the Packers. And then, uh, Browns have the Packers, and then we all play each other. So, I mean, this is this is going to come down to the wire. But, boy, with the Ravens, it would feel good if they could get this win in Cincinnati. Yeah, certainly. Leaving leaving their destiny in their own hands at home for two games would feel very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would be a good place to be. And uh, the Rams wouldn't be a throwaway game because I think they'd be in a position where they could win either. But they wouldn't be out necessarily if they lost to the Rams if they beat Cincinnati. So, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a – you know, a very hopeful position the Ravens can still be in if they can go to Cincinnati and get the job done. Uh, a lot of things I really liked about the game and some of the video that got released today, Harbaugh's interview, very yeah. heavily concentrated on the fourth down and two-point conversion attempts. Yeah. Did a lot of explaining. And then after that, there was video released, which showed some interesting things. So kind of take us through your thoughts on that. And then I'm going to go through some of my analytic evaluation of those individual plays. So you want specifically on the two-point conversion decision? Well, I tell you what. We could just go decision by decision, and then you relate it to Harbaugh. Do you want to do that? I'll go in the order that I have in my article? Sure. Sure. Okay, let's do that. So there were there were three easy choices they had on fourth down where they lined up to go for it. I don't think there was any question. Fourth and one early in the game at the Green Bay 20, they made it. They subsequently got stopped at the goal line. That's just the way life works. But it, it was an easy decision to go forward on that. Not a, not a hard win probability or expected points decision. Q3, 329. They had fourth and one at the Green Bay uh, 15, down seven. They, they lined up to go for it. Of course, Bo, uh, not Bozeman. Um, 66, uh, help me out. Huge offensive guard, Ben Cleveland. Okay, <laughs> yes, How do I do this? I, uh, you know the numbers better than I do. And then yeah. when Cleveland went out for most of the season, I wasn't much help, that much help for you there, but yeah. go ahead. Yeah. He played pretty well, by the way. That's a, that's something I'm, I'm really excited about, but he lifted his left heel on this play. I've seen the footage from behind and it, it, it definitely looks like it was, it was a false start. It was correctly called. And he, his reaction would tell me that it was a bad one. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. play, I don't think there was any question about going for that play down seven, needing one. I think there was a question perhaps going forward on the next play, but it was close enough that I don't have a problem kicking the field goal at that point from fourth and six. Yeah. The third one, Q4, um, they were fourth and six at the Green Bay 14, down 14. That's no choice at all. They had to go for that as a matter of they needed two scores and they were only going to get the ball that time and one more in any reasonable scenario of the world. Okay. Okay. So no doubt about that one, I don't think either. And then we get to the hard ones. Let's go to Q1, 744, relatively early in the game, fourth and goal at the Packers three. So Harbaugh decided to go for it rather than have Tucker kick. A lot of people whining about it in the stands. Yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you my analytics point, viewpoint in this is you're not just playing for those points there on the play. You're playing for the expected points that the lousy field position costs the Packers. So if you make it three out of seven times, it's you 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 certainly take it because right there you're at expected points are equal, but you have more expected points on a failure coming from the field position and well inside the twenty. Yeah, on that one, um, I like the the analytical point of view that you brought there. 
For me, I also like going for it. Um, obviously, when you look back with hindsight 2020, those three points in a one-point game could give you the win. <laughs> but at the time, I said out loud to myself um, to go for it. And it's because uh, we still hadn't seen exactly what the offense was going to do throughout the entire game, although we were looking good up to that point. We know it's, you know, backup Tyler Huntley who looked good against the Bears he played he started in. Mm-hmm but it wasn't this high-scoring game, you know that this is going to be a high-scoring game with Aaron Rodgers. To me, I didn't want to trade field goals with touchdowns. And so, again, looking back, it's easy to, it's easy to say you, you take the points, but I didn't want to get caught up in that, and I didn't know when the Ravens were going to get to be, uh, I don't know, whatever in goal again. Mm-hmm. And so, to me, I wanted to go for it. Now, I also have a personality that's similar to John Harbaugh. I'm assertive. I'm aggressive. I play to win. I don't play to not lose. And, um, and, and so, you know, we, if you have that mindset, you're probably with them. I like to be aggressive and I didn't want to trade field goals with Aaron Rodgers touchdowns. Could completely agree with you by the way, but, but I maybe even state it slightly differently is any kind of positive expectation of points, even with a significant gamble, I take in a game like this. So if my expectation from going for it was 3.8 points and my expectation from kicking the field goal was something right around three points because almost 100% with Tucker, uh, I'm definitely taking the 3.8. I'm probably taking it at 3.2. I'm not necessarily taking it 2.9, but I might be questioning. I'm, I'm, it's, it's just a case of I, I need every point I can get in this game, and I think that fits exactly with what you said about you don't want to trade field goals for touchdowns. Right, and well, and on top of, because you had said before, it's not only just about these points, but you're putting the Packers yep. in a deep position. Now, Aaron Rodgers overthrew Devontae Adams. The Ravens got a little bit lucky, but they had to punt from deep within their own territory, and the Ravens went down and scored on the very mm-hmm. next drive. And so to me, that only solidified the decision because it put the Ravens in good field goal posi- or good field position. Reminds you a little bit of Super Bowl 47 when they tried that fake field goal, locked the 49ers deep. 49ers had to kick back to the Ravens, and the Ravens scored at the end of the half. So it's very, very similar kind of a situation. Now, Harbaugh talked about the field position being a decision in that in that thing, and I, I think it was a great play. I don't think we need to discuss it anymore. And we've got some other ones that are harder. Yeah. Um, Q4 1201 now. So we're jumping forward a fair amount in the game. Most of yeah. the decisions were easy. They had fourth and six at their own 29, down 11. Uh, the Ravens chose to go for it, and the resulting incomplete pass, if you were seen from the stadium, you probably saw it on TV too. A lot of the fans headed for the exit as soon as as soon as that ball was uh, was incomplete. And I thought it was uh, over at that point too. Yeah. So I get it. Yeah. 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 Well, me too. And uh, and that was unfortunate. Um, but uh, you know. From a win probability perspective, I thought that passed muster. You know, they they had a fourth and 11. They went for it recently with Huntley. And I'm trying to remember which game that was. Might have been Cleveland. Might have been Pittsburgh. Uh, where they went for it, and uh, and I thought that was the correct play as well. But uh, but anyway, a good. I, it was a it was a play that I was okay with. Uh, it was probably the most questionable of these four. Yeah, this one is probably the one I'm least confident on in saying like, oh, I for sure would, or I said out loud to myself, this is one where I may have punted it away. The the thing. So, but trying to get into Harbaugh's head. The only thing I could really think of, because it's fourth and six, mm-hmm. you're at your own 29 and you're down mm-hmm. by 11. Now, number one, I think I'm in, I'm in his head because, uh, like, to me, it's about timing. 
I could, I could argue that you would prefer them to score quickly rather than punt it away and then let them bleed the clock and mm-hmm. score that way anyway. Um, because, and we'll get in later. I, I mean, Aaron Rodgers was just tearing them apart. I mean, tearing right. them apart. And the only time that the secondary didn't get torn apart is when he made Aaron Rodgers made a mistake. Yeah. And we'll get into those. Mm-hmm. So, so this is the one that I wouldn't feel confident about, but in my mind, it was like, what's the lesser of two evils, maybe allowing them to score quickly. And then by, you know, again, Aaron Rodgers not hitting a touchdown that was wide open. That's mm-hmm. the only reason why they had to settle for the field goal. Yeah. And, and it turned to fruition that you got the, you got the quick field goal, which was kind of like the best outcome mm-hmm. after losing the football that you could reasonably expect. Yep. And that leave the, let the Ravens hang it on. And they of course made something of that. Uh, let's talk about the next big one. Cause this is one that is not being talked about in the media and it's Q4, 447. The Ravens score the first touchdown. They cut the lead to eight points. I can only tell you the most hackneyed, most talked about regularly study in analytics 101, if you want to talk about it. football math 101. I hate, I really kind of hate the term analytics, but football math 101 is that you only need, you need only a 38% chance to make your two point conversion as a break even to go for two down eight. And almost no coach ever does it. But it also comes back to bite you if you later go, decide you need to, you need to go for it when your chance you might need it to be forty five percent to be the correct call. So I, that, this, this was a really bad call. And what was interesting about it to me was they of course kicked the kicked the kicked the instead uh, accepted down seven. Uh, the only time a Ravens coach has ever done it correctly that I'm aware of was in two thousand one against the Green Bay Packers in October of 2001 when Brian Billick did it with 38 seconds left in the game. They, they cut the, they, they had a 14 point deficit. They cut it to eight with the touchdown. They went for two, they failed. And then they didn't get the onside kick. It didn't matter, but they, they maximized their chance to win the game. And I've asked Billick about that since in person, he didn't even remember it. So he asked, <laughs> he, he, you know, a, a headset elf told him to do it. And he said, Oh, okay. Two. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I, I think, okay, so this is, okay, so the Ravens scored twice in the fourth quarter. This is mm-hmm. the first one, right? Okay. That's correct. So there was a little bit of media discussion on it. If you go to late for work yeah. from this morning, it's in there. Um, okay, so, and, and some commentary that, that was put on it was like, was similar to what you're saying is you should go for the two there. Mm-hmm. And then one, I think Lindsay Rhodes is like, well, John Harbaugh explained the reasoning to go for it in Cleveland. And it's like, well, the situations were different. Because in Cleveland, you were down 15. In this one, you're down 14. So, and I, and I bring that up because I want to just read the quote from Harbaugh on why he felt he waited this time, whereas like he got a lot of criticism and tried it on the first touchdown instead of waiting until the end. Uh, and he explained correctly, in my opinion, why he went earlier. So in this game, though, he says, um, he says in the Cleveland game, I was pretty sure that it was going to be a two-touchdown situation. I wasn't quite as sure it was going to be a two-touchdown situation in this game. There could have been another score involved. So he was like, he was thinking the Packers might have scored again. And so he goes, so I just wanted to see, I just wanted to wait and see how that played out. That's why I didn't go for it on the first score. I wanted to wait for the second one. What do you think about that? 
I, I understand the thing, and I heard it t- today. Luke Jones asked the question, did a really yeah. good job, by the way. Appreciate Luke doing that. Because uh, it's probably not, it's, 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 it's always, you're always at risk of getting a salty answer on a question where you question what Harbaugh is doing. But, right. he, but in this case, I thought he did a pretty good job. He, he probably got a little bit of upfront coaching or was self-effacing about it. He thought, I need to give them you know, some explanation of why yeah. I did this. I, th- I think in that situation, you, you look at that and you say, I have to calculate my break-even probability. And by the way, a lot of people start trying to work from the answer. And, and that's not how coaches should do it. It's not certainly how mathematicians do it. You, you, you start by crafting the assumptions necessary to create the break-even probability success you need on the, on the, um, on the two-point try. And it's, it's actually fairly simple mathematics to get to this point because it gives you more options to win the game effectively to go for two on the first, on the first attempt. And if you have an, a 100% chance to, to make the kick and you assume you have a 50% chance in overtime, you then solve for what your probability is necessary on the two-point conversion in order to do it. And you can come up with 38%. It uses something that you learned as a teenager, and so did I, called the quadratic formula. Okay. So can you recite it still? I can love it if you can. Okay. No. Ne- but you might recognize My husband it. could, but I can't. Negative B plus or minus the square root of B squared minus 4AC all over 2A. In, in 30 years as an actuary, I've never used it. Okay, it came up on an exam question, I think it was, but I've never used it. But the only practical real-life use I've seen for it is in two-point conversion math. This is very funny that this okay. came up again because this, you spend, I don't know, two weeks in Algebra 2 working through to learn how to do this way back when. So uh, anyway, uh, it, 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 was, it was a miss, I thought, by the Ravens to not do it. And, and there was something that came up at the end where I, I, I sort of agree with Harbaugh about the extra score being a question. But I thought with 447 to go, the need to get the ball back from the Packers, the only reasonable path for the Ravens to win the game was either – Score the only the only two scores in overtime. Score the only two scores in regulation to go to overtime, or score um, the only two scores in overtime and win the game. Then I don't think there was another path that wins it for the Ravens, but there was a slight path, and we're going to get into this with the fourth point: why they might have preferred to be tied than in ahead than ahead. And it's kind of a weird situation, and this is probably what Harbs is referring to when he when he said what he did. So that's you. Do you, do you anything well, no, I'm interested. I'm interested in what that, what that, okay. why that's, that's, you know, but I'll just say this. Um, oh shoot. Did I lose my thought? We're talking, uh, cause you, you got me intrigued. This is the two on, point conversion you, on you, this you, touchdown before. Right. Oh, oh, I was just going to say in the middle of the game, I'll admit, I wasn't thinking to myself on this play that he should have gone for two, but looking back and I mentioned this, this is a different scenario in Cleveland where it was down 15 and this one down 14. I almost, if you're going to play for the win, uh, and he wasn't in regulation. Another reason to 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 go for two early, or on this on this one, is mm-hmm. because if you fail, you still have another shot. So in sure. this one, you have you have two where you can miss one and still potentially go into overtime, or you have two shots of going ahead and and beating them. So mm-hmm. um, so again, I didn't think of it in the middle of the game. This is just me thinking later because I, so I don't want to sound like I'm I know better than Harbaugh. I know in the moment you probably knew you wanted to go for two. I didn't, but thinking back, I'm like, yeah, it would have been nice to have two two shots of the two point conversion. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a trigger for math guys that. Yeah. Just, and, and if you, your husband would probably feel the same way about it because I know he's a he's a big math geek. Uh, 
let me move on a little bit. And that's a Q, Q4042. So now they, they got the touchdown and they actually scored kind of early. And Harbaugh made that point, And I agree. My, my initial reaction was Huntley. I wish they had not scored on that play. I wish they had, had not gone out of bounds on one play on that drive. Uh, it just they scored too quickly is the is this simple matter. And at leaving 42 seconds on the clock was dangerous for Rodgers to get in, get into field goal range for Mason Crosby. Well, but either way, right? Like I've I've thought that too. There's still everybody keeps acting like it would have gone over to overtime. But even if they had gone up by one, he still can go in and and yeah, hit sure. the field goal. So either decision, that's that that's a that's a potential danger. It's not equivalent, and here's here's why. Okay. Um, okay. So if they had in the in the Steelers game, they had 12 seconds left, so there was no fear of any sort of a reprisal, sure. right? So if they go up by one because they hit that two point conversion, the game is effectively over. The Steelers aren't going to score. They're right. not going to get into field goal range. There's nothing with 42 seconds left. There's significant danger of the Packers doing it. Now here's why it matters. The Ravens had one timeout. The Packers had zero at that point, I believe. Maybe they had one, but one or zero. It doesn't really matter which. Um, and with 42 seconds left, uh, the Ravens could have forced the play call more effectively and forced Rodgers to be limited to three downs with a tie game, which would have increased their probability getting the game to overtime had they just shot for the tie. So it's still not it's still not going to be 100% that they get to overtime. They're probably going to have to take about a 30% chance of Rodgers you know, getting into field goal range, maybe higher than that. But but the, here, here's the situation that would come up, Sarah, that would that would fit this. They, they get to second down and eight, let's say. Okay. Uh, yeah. No. Let's make sure. Let's make sure they get to third and six. Okay. okay. Then the Ravens use their one remaining timeout. Wait. In which, which in which scenario with being is, tied or being up by one? This is tied. I'm sorry. Very. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Okay. So th- third and six tie game. They're at their own 38 yard line. And okay. the Ravens call a timeout. And basically, the Ravens are daring them. They're increasing the wager on the pot at that point and saying, I dare you to try and go for this by a pass. Because if you do and you miss it, you're punting the ball to us and we're going to aggressively go after this. This uh, Sorry. Uh, we're, yeah, we're going to aggressively go after the field goal to win it in regulation. Okay. okay. And, and depending on the yard line, they may take that threat, that threat really seriously, like from their own 20 or something. From the 50, they probably don't take it seriously. They probably say, yeah, you know, if we don't make it, we'll punt anyway, and you, you guys won't travel far enough. Right. But they would take it seriously probably if, if it was from the 20-yard line. So they had some ability to direct the play call by forcing a timeout after a second down and saying, we're, we're demanding that you you make your choice now. And if they run the football, they can run out the clock because the Ravens have no remaining timeouts. And, and that gets them to overtime. But if they decide to pass the ball and the ball goes incomplete, they're punting on fourth down and and the Ravens might have a chance to win it. So that's why the 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 Ravens had some value with that single timeout left to direct the play call for the Packers. Now, here's the other bad situation makes it does that make sense by the way it, do, it does okay. it does yeah okay. yeah so I, there's no there's no way i could go and re-explain it <laughs> but <laughs> but i did have an aha moment in there and how on how it is different yeah okay so play calling. I've, I've heard announcers announcers that are really into this we'll, we'll talk about it. no they have a chance to direct the play call with a timeout they'll occasionally say that romo is good on it sims is good on it collinsworth is good on it in terms of really understanding the the, the mechanics of that 
uh, when it happens. The, the other thing is if they go up by one, how does that differ? Well, 42 seconds now, Aaron Rodgers is playing four down football. It doesn't matter what threats you have, what timeouts you may have, whatever, whatever he plays. He, he has four downs to get right. 10 yards any number of times he needs to in order to get in field goal range. And, and they're going to kick for the win. Right. Uh, and, and so, so it, 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 it changes the playing call, play calling. And when you're down by one, mm-hmm. you're going, you're like, yep. no matter what, you're using four downs every time. There's no punting. There's yep. like, you're, uh, I got you. I got you. Okay. And that's exactly where the Ravens were earlier this year in Detroit, by the way. So fourth right. and 29 came around or whatever the hell it was. And yeah. they, it wasn't fourth and 29, fourth and 19 maybe. And they, they went ahead and they threw the ball to Watkins, even though if it was tied, they might've punted there. Right. So, yeah. yeah. All right. That makes sense. So uh, anyway, I, I, I liked the call to go for two at the end. I thought it was it was probably the marginally the correct call, but but I didn't love it the way I loved it against the Steelers because of that time remaining. And I was really happy that Harbaugh hit on that exact point during his interview. Yes. So, yes. Very good. I, 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 yes. That is the only. Re- yeah. I mean, it's a big reason. The time on the clock definitely pushes it one way or the other. Like you said, it's more 50, 50. Whereas if we were back to like 10 seconds or 12 seconds, then it's a no brainer. Um, but, but even still, even with all that to me, it's, it's still not really a debate because, and again, we're going to get into this. Aaron Rodgers was doing whatever he wanted. And I've seen fans say, well, the defense got to, got to stop. And I'm like, it's more just because Andrews overthrew. <laughs> like, I think it was Lazard one time in in, yep. the, in the end zone. It wasn't because and Adams down the left sideline. It was right. Their drives it got wasn't because right suddenly Seymour, who's getting cooked <laughs> all game, was coming up with a play. That wasn't the case. And so to me, it's like, I mean, and then on top of it, let's say the defense that Aaron Rodgers makes a mistake again, and then somehow the defense comes up with the stop. To me, it's still like, but now you got to drive all the way down there again. You're on the two yard line. Just go get it done. And if I'm going to put, I'm, if I'm going to put the ball in somebody's hands with my job on the line, am I putting it in Seymour's hands? And it's no disrespect to Seymour. He is in the worst possible desi- pr- right. position ever. So I'm not trying to disrespect him. But like, do I put it in his hand or I put it in the hand of Huntley, who has been playing his behind off? And Andrews has been a monster all game. Right. I can live with Huntley and Andrews coming up short. I can't live with Seymour who's been, been, been getting cooked all game long. It's not a decision. It's not a decision to me. I don't even get why there's a de- debate when you, when you think all of that through. I completely agree. I, I, I think it's just it's it's not as overwhelming a choice, but I think it's still the right choice. And there's two other things I really liked about this that I want to make sure I got in. The first is all the video they put out. He asked the analytics guy while he's on it. Analytics guy is on the headset while he was on the sideline, walking side. What do you guys want to do in this situation? Then he called over. Huntley and Andrews and he just wanted to make sure and you know he's calling over Huntley and Andrews I saw that right before the two-point conversion I'm going why is he doing that the ball's then obviously going to Andrews it's not going to anybody else why is he calling him over for this but you know they were both like yeah let's go for it Andrews went after him after the game play and said it was the right call that clubhouse is not turning against John Harbaugh because of this decision. This is they were in line with this, and they believe in Harbaugh, and they love the fact that they that he asked them right. whether or not the thing. And and if in the case that it's pretty marginal, Harbaugh asking them is perfectly reasonable as a yep. decision making process. Exactly, so. exactly. Because I wanted to, I want to make that point. 
I saw some people, most people love that video and was like, mm-hmm. way to go, Harbs, like, way to include your players or whatever. And I've saw a few people saying, wait, he's the coach. Why are you asking them? Um, you're like, of course, they're going to say yes because they want the ball in their hands. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, okay, like you said, it's basically 50-50 mathematically, right? Sure. Of whether or not you go for it. It's close. Yeah, It's close. Now, one could argue that he's asking just to help them feel included. He knows what their answer is going to be, but by talking to them, one, you're showing them respect, which they will want to return. Mm-hmm. And number two, you're getting buy-in, and then it's it's Ravens against the world. It's not John Harbaugh versus the players. So I think it's definitely a smart move from the coach uh, for so many reasons. Now, the second thing, let's say that Harbs really is torn. I feel like he mm-hmm. already had his decision. I, I could be wrong. But let's say he's already torn 50-50. He could go either way, and so it's like he's cool with, with, with what the players want because it could be good either way. Mm-hmm. But he wants to get buy-in. He wants them to be like, hey, I took ownership in this, in this decision. I can't, I'm not going to throw my coach under the bus because I asked for this. So I've got to – you know, they already have all the motiv- motiv- motivation in the world, but it doesn't hurt to get a centimeter more. You know what I mean? Right. But this is why – and people underestimate this, and it drives me nuts. Right. If you want to ask yourself – how in the world did the Ravens, with 29 missing players against the mm-hmm. Packers, 17 on IR, five more injured and in, are inactive, COVID. Yep. four more COVID, that's 29 players. How in the world is this team, without your MVP quarterback, in this game? And they haven't, Harbaugh hasn't lost the locker room. It's because of moments like these. Do not underestimate it. Yeah, I absolutely couldn't agree more. And, and, you know, when you see the video of him asking the players, and I don't know how much of this is manufactured. I don't want to speculate that this might be part of the narrative or whatever, but I don't think it is, honestly. I think it probably comes from two different departments. When you see Harbaugh basically asking people, what do you want to do, what do you want to do, and finishing with the players, then it goes with the player's choice. Then he did his interview today. There's no mention of the players making that choice. You know why? Because he's not going to throw them under the bus for making yep. that choice. Oh, Huntley told me I should go for it. So yep. I thought I went, I went ahead and went with the quarterback. You know, what am I going to do? I'm powerless. Right. He didn't go with that. First of all, it would have been crap to do it. It would have sounded terrible. But but it, it just drives home that that loyalty to him even more in terms of, of you know, he's not he's not going to throw his players under the bus right. for what happened in that spot. Absolutely. Well, and he can't anyway because it's ultimately his decision. But let yes. me give you a little, like, I when I worked at the Ravens, let me tell you how usually those uh, wired videos came through. Uh, I don't know if it's exactly the case in this one, but it's almost always the, was the case when I was there. So it's the broadcast department, which is actually within the, the department I was in. So we're the media department. <clears throat> and then the media, you know, digital, the digital side, which is what I was in, worked very closely with, with broadcast. So because Minkin, Minkin Downing there, that's basically the face men for that department now? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say that uh, on, the, on the digital side. But I mean, um, obviously you got um, Eisenberg in there and, and all that. But, but yeah, so that's, it's, it's more of a... <clears throat> the digital side, although we're all the media group. And then there's a broadcast side and we, you know, we all report to, to Michelle. And so what usually happens is, is the broadcast side, which is the one that they work. I mean, they work so hard. They work so hard. They get permission of who's wired. And so as soon as the game's over the next morning, I mean, sometimes they're up all night. Sometimes they're, you know, they go to bed and they come in at like what, five in the morning. Interns are going in probably working through the night, you know, putting stamps, time stamps and anything. Anyway, 
probably an intern or one of the people they're listening through to see where there's good, there's good audio. And so it's, but it's the broadcast department that finds it. And they, and we all die when we see this stuff. Cause we can't use everything, right? Like sometimes sure. it's just like, no, you guys can't use that. We like, when we find golden stuff, like in this moment, we're like, please, please let Harbaugh be in a good mood and let us <laughs> show this because, and he usually says no about everything with him. Cause he doesn't want to make it about him, but we want to show like the humanity of the coaches and the players and so um, sometimes he just wants to keep it in the house. It's, it's too sacred. We don't want it all out there. This is our thing. And so when we, when we get a yes, we're so excited. So I'm sure it was set up through broadcast. Maybe Harbaugh needed to be like massaged into letting us, re, you know, release it. Maybe he was fine with it from the beginning. That's usually how it's done. It's not like planned. It's not like, cause there's golden moments that never get through that never get through. Um, but, but yeah, this one was pretty personal and pretty, and with a big part of the game. Yeah. And, and so that's, I guarantee that they were just like, please let Harbaugh do it. And we're, we're probably cheering when he finally, when he was like, fine, you can put it out, <laughs> you, know? So. you know? So what's interesting to me about this is there have been at least three such videos that I'm aware of. The first was the fourth and two, hell yeah, coach, let's go for it mm-hmm. at Seattle last no, 2019, 2019. So, so they mm-hmm. made that. Then earlier this year against Kansas City, Lamar, you want to go for it? Hell yeah. You know, and then he gets back out there on fourth and one and finds a crease. They, 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 they win the ball game. You know, you've got Yonda in the background on that first one. But both those were wins. The, mm-hmm. Both those were, we're showing how this succeeded and how the player chose it. This one was, we lost, but we show you our process. And I, I respect that even more. Yeah, I, I, then it's easy to to, to say, do it well, when it's a winning moment yeah. and everybody looks good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I tell you what, Sarah, let's move on and talk defense yeah. here because we spent <laughs> half an hour here on what is very cool stuff, but but uh, largely offense related. Let's talk about the secondary. Obviously, large last lots of problems. The problems got worse within this game. Uh, it's there. It is now a tunnel with no light at the end, as far as I can see for twenty twenty one. But we'll talk about it anyway. Averett, Anthony Averett, the last man standing really among the starting quarterbacks, who was not truly a starting cornerback at the beginning of the year, um, has played very well. And, Wink and would disagree. Wink would say he was Pro Bowl level, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah. well, but, he, but he wasn't a starter. No, no, I, I'm, yeah. I'm messing yeah. with you. Yeah, yeah, that's no, so you're you're uh, you're yeah. doing it well. Yeah. Okay. So, so I, I thought he's played very well. They they haven't really been trying to target him much, uh, and and when they do, sometimes they've regretted it. Uh, only a couple games has he really played back. Uh, poorly and and like i've been saying in past weeks all of the ravens secondary has had a trip to the bathroom this year uh for a game you know humphrey, <laughs> humphrey had a terrible game against cincinnati uh you know it, it, all, everybody's had a bad game this year and Averett has happened had two but he's otherwise i thought he's played very well i liked him in this game uh, yeah. maybe it helped that uh seymour was getting picked on <laughs> yep. um but but i liked him in this game uh, not only for coverage, but uh, I felt like there were a couple times in run support that I thought he was he was pretty good. Uh, but I, I liked him in this game. The the play that I'm trying to remember is uh, MVS Valdez Scandling mm, got, got yeah. Behind. We will henceforth call him MVS because I'm MVS not trying that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the 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 play where he got behind the defense and Stone was closest, but he but he seemed to be way off the ball. I believe that might have been Averett who was supposed to be covering. It's 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 kind of hard to tell. Uh, who it should have been, but I believe it might have been Averett. And Averett has had a little bit of problem covering the deep third of the field in cover three. So he's, I might be blaming him for something he didn't really do this time, but it didn't it didn't look great there. Um, Young came out of the game concussed. 
he was having some difficulty early in the game, honestly, keeping up with the, with the outside receiver, particularly on the uh, Adams on that left side yeah. and outrun him uh, uh, early in the game for that first three and out. Yeah. I mean, that's really because he was concussed early. It's one of the few notes I had on him was, was, was that one where, I mean, it could have been a big, a big gain on that. Um, <clears throat> he just didn't seem to be uh, keeping up out there, yeah. you know? So, um, <clears throat> I mean, I want him back, you know, I want him back along with some others, but I want him in that nickel role. Yeah, me too. In the in the slot is the place for him. He's got great change of direction speed and great short area zone coverage skills, but he's just not a uh, a guy I want on the outside anymore. He doesn't have the 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 aircraft carrier skills we've come to expect in the Ravens corners. The the they use the, the boundary very well. They push to the boundary very well. They they use their uh, enormous length to you know, deflect footballs and, and, and keep that boundary safe. I mean, Tavon just, that's not his game. His game is change of direction speed and, and uh, you know, ball hawking on the inside. And, you know, some fast rushing too. He's done a lot of good with that this year. All right. Uh, Brandon Stevens on the back end. I thought he had one of his better games as a Raven in this one. I, I thought he did, he did a very good job setting up brackets, being in the right position. He did miss one tackle defended well on the one throw into the end zone where he was right there and basically prevented an on-target throw. Uh, yeah. I, I thought it was – if it wasn't his best game, it was pretty close to his best game as a Raven. John Harbaugh said it was his best game. Um, I just felt like he was usually in in position. Um, <clears throat> well, I, I, I anticipated more um, – there were blown coverages for sure. However, yep. it wasn't necessarily because – Stevens or Stone wasn't communicating. It was more just these new guys off the street having no idea what the heck they were doing. Um, but I felt like for the most part with what they were working with, you know, um, <clears throat> Stevens and Stone were, were in position in the right place for most of the time. Yeah, I, I agree. And and one of the things they did in this game, by the way, and Aaron Rodgers had comments about this after the game. He said, I've never seen anybody do this oh, yeah. to, to a big receiver. But Devontae Adams was double covered in a lot of this game. And the last time I remember the Ravens doing that to a receiver, because the Ravens, very positional team, and they have been for the last several defensive coordinators, probably all defensive coordinators, really. But they did it to Randy Moss in the 2009 playoff game where they beat the crap out of the Patriots at New England. So it's it actually played in 2010, but they, they ran the ball 52 times and passed it 10 and won the game 33 to 14. That, that game, they had double coverage on Randy Moss, basically every play with Ed Reed over the top. Hmm. In this game, that responsibility primarily fell to Brandon Stevens, although I did not notice because I haven't looked at the all 22 for the defense yet, whether they switched sides to get Stevens on the back end, but he was a big part of it when he was on the right side. Stevens normally is lines up on the right side deep and stone on the left side deep. I don't, I I don't know if, if they changed that coverage, but they had double on, on Devante, a lot of plays. A lot. Well, yeah, because I had seen that quote too by Rogers before I went back and watched the film. I mean, he was very strong about it. He was like, it was one of the most interesting defensive schemes that I've ever seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, he was like some of the pre-snap alignments and stuff. I, he goes, I just haven't seen it. Right. So, I mean, it is a lot of respect to Devontae Adams. Yeah, yeah, I saw it a lot too. And I saw it with multiple people. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think I tracked it exactly who was there, but I saw it. Def- it was definitely happening with multiple defensive backs. And yep. and like Levine was sometimes out there. And um, mm-hmm. 
I mean, it just was, it was just, yeah, almost all game. Here's a question for you. Would you do that again? I mean, I'm very much hoping that Chris Westry and Jimmy Smith will clear COVID protocol for several reasons. Uh, I'm anticipating that they will, uh, but who knows? Who knows? COVID affects everybody differently. Um, Even if they come back, let's say Tavon comes back and that's no guarantee. Who Who knows about concussions? Let's say you get the best scenario that we're in right now. You get those three guys back. Um, <clears throat> would you do that against Jamar Chase? I, I would think about it. And, and uh, you know, he's, he is that sort of receiver. Uh, I think the Ravens, if they, if they could have success with a two-deep look, which I, which I think they can, and then I think you, you probably, if you have Clark back, maybe he comes up and he effectively plays linebacker on a lot of plays, but you can play him deep too. He, he'd be fine over the top of, of an arrangement like that. Stevens now, I think he's shown a lot he can do it, and I, I really like what we saw out of Stone in this game, which I mm-hmm. wanted to be the next guy we talked about, but he had the green dot in the game. And I, I thought know. he just played terrifically. And, yeah. and they didn't want to announce early who it was. And I thought that meant either two things, but it probably meant it wasn't Stevens. So I thought it might mean it's Bynes, but they didn't want to give away ahead of time that they're going to have this one linebacker on the field every single play. And that would be perfect, perfectly good thing not to give away. Right. Of course, once you don't want to give away that, you probably don't want to give away the opposite either, that you're, that you're giving it to safety. So, yeah, screw you. We're going to have whatever linebacker we want on the field. Every right, every right. Uh, but, the, but then the, the, uh, the, the giving it to Stone obviously was also something that could have been taken as a slight by Brandon Stevens. And I think it was good that Harbaugh addressed his play directly. And, and I thought he played exceptionally well, too, that, that you know, he had one of his best games. I, that was, it was a very good confluence of circumstances to have that to, to have that come together and the Ravens now have three safeties when Chuck Clark is back that they can really trust to play defensively and, and that makes their dime package in good shape and uh, it was really exciting to see Tony Jefferson back in yeah. that quarter package yeah yeah it was good I mean it was good yeah I was happy to see him back there I was I was pleasantly surprised by all the safeties yeah yeah, yeah I, I, that's where I was, too. Jefferson wasn't picked on much. Uh, most of the time, he was up close and covering a tight end. Uh, it was primarily an in-line tight end, not an, uh, not the split tight end. So they played a lot of 12 and whatnot. But, uh, but when they were playing on third down, they usually had one back, three wide receivers. The back was sometimes split. And then one tight end, and he would take the tight end close to the line of scrimmage when uh, when he was in there. But I, I thought he did a good job in this game, and and uh, you know his kind of savvy, very useful, and he's definitely a potential dime back for the Ravens if they become distressed again, or if they don't have Chuck Clark this next week, a guy they could stick in at dime. Where I thought that uh, Levine. Um, in this game did not really play well enough to justify more snaps. I thought he had more trouble than anybody else. Yeah, Saw some I, good things against the run, but yeah. not against the man. He just, uh, he just didn't have the speed yeah. uh, to keep up. But um, I didn't know you're going to get to stone next. I mean, I, I'm just, I, I'm just floored by, I was just floored by his communication mm-hmm. because again, uh, so many times it's your middle linebacker, right? That's, that's calling yep. the plays. And then it's somewhat, it's not like it's unheard of, but it's somewhat out of the, out of the box to have your safety doing it. Mm-hmm. And so you've got Clark doing it and then you go to stone. Is it the, the six, six round, right? Six round pick. Um, Seven. huh? Seventh, seventh round pick who I think we lost for a minute, right? When he was, yeah, uh, yes. <laughs> and we got him back cause he, he, he was, he was so not playing up to par that, you know, 
the Ravens risk putting him on practice squad and all that kind of stuff. And so I just couldn't believe it. Again, like I said, they were blown coverages, but it wasn't because of a lack of the communication from Stone. It was just because these new guys didn't know what, what was going on. Um, I was I was very, very just happy with him. Very yeah. happy. Yeah. Yeah, he did a good job. Most of the picking in this game was on Seymour, who got, frankly, very Ooh. torched. They picked on Young a little bit in early on in this game before he he, he left, mm-hmm. um, and they really picked on the inside linebackers again. And unfortunately, this was another bad game for Queen. And I, I kind of promised myself I don't really want to talk about bad Queen games when they come up because there, there's been enough of that. Over the last two years, we had a lot to say about, about Queen not playing well, but he missed some tackles in this game. He had some blown coverages on Lazard early that didn't Lazard, work out. Yeah. Lazard looked like a puppeteer, frankly, yeah. getting him to move in a, in whatever direction he wanted off the line of scrimmage. So tough assignment, but but still, you know, not not uh, not what you want. And and that's what Rogers did. Rogers just, you know, he's very good. He put the ball out in some unbelievably great spots for his receivers to go out and, and pluck it, uh, you know, away from the body. And and Lazard had some good catches. Lazard also, uh, you know, got overthrown in the end zone. And mm-hmm. I don't know if he had a bad play, but. Uh, you know, anyways, it, it was a, it was certainly uh, Rogers got some very good play from his receivers to help him out on some of these kind of narrow separation plays. Yeah. All right. I think we talked about everybody there. Levine played in the, in this uh, jumbo, sorry, not jumbo nickel, jumbo nickel. You put in a third defensive lineman. He played in a big nickel where you, instead of when you play five defensive backs, you have three safeties instead of three corners. So you put in, the, the other team's usually in 12 personnel when they do it, and mm-hmm. that's what the, the, the Packers did a fair amount. And when they did that, it was an early down. They stuck Levine out there on a split tight end, like as if he's a cornerback, and then he, he gives them a little bit more in terms of run support, probably a little bit less in terms of coverage. And uh, and he, he, he had some good moments. He had a really nice play against the run, but uh, it's an interesting package because they haven't really used very much big nickel this year, and they haven't used Levine at all defensively. I have to go back and see if he even had a snap before this that this year defensively. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Cocap. I love him. Uh, but yeah, I would. I, one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to Chuck Clark coming back is so that um, Stone or Stevens can be used in those packages instead of Levine. So you got Chuck Clark and Stone and Stevens mm-hmm. on there instead of having Levine in there. Yeah, I, I, you know the guy who really makes the most sense for that because he has a lot of experience at slot corner is is Stevens, and, they, and yeah. I know they want him to be a free safety and whatnot. But if you put him, I mean, he's a bigger guy anyway. But you put him up opposite a, a big guy in the slot, you know, help him stop. The, he makes a lot of sense in that position. Clark could also do it, but you want Clark on the back end for a lot yeah. of reasons. And Stone is a natural kind of overthrow guy, so like to see him back there. Just to talk a couple more packages. The Ravens did something very interesting in this game. They played nickel. And they play two versions of it, big and standard. So big nickel, they're three, cor- three safeties and two corners. The regular yeah. nickel, they're three corners, two safeties. And then they play quarter with seven defensive backs. They didn't play anything else the entire game. They had zero snaps of the base defense. They had zero snaps of dime, which they play a lot. So they played either five defensive backs or they played seven defensive backs. And it's just the weirdest one-game switch I can remember. And, you know, I have, I have the entire Ravens history of defensive plays. I can, I can remember games where they went from base to dime as those being the only packages. And Mike Nolan did a lot of that during his time here. But they've never gone from nickel to quarter. And they've had some pretty quarter-heavy teams in the old days, 96 and 2000, 
even those teams, they played a mix of other stuff, uh, you know, to, to, to bring home any game. But this is this was a weird game. The Packers obviously threw as many receivers as they could on the field to stress the Ravens, and the Ravens had two ways to kind of uh, adapt to it. The Ravens were successful with the quarter? Uh, I can tell you. They had in the quarter oh, – I've got to go to my other document here. This is from the article this week. They were not completely successful. I know they gave up a, lo- a couple of long plays on third down. Um, eight plays, 46 yards, 5.8 yards per play. I'd call that successful, but th- it did allow two big plays, a pass for 24 and a pass for 25. Uh, that 25 converted third and nine in, in quarter four. That was a pretty big dagger yeah. at that point. So they-, they were good, but not great. And why do you think Wink used quarter instead of dime? Uh, I think he thought that Tony Jefferson as the seventh pass defender gave them a better chance than having an inside linebacker on the field. And he did not feel like there was a a defensive lineman who gave them much as a pass rusher. So rather than putting Mm Matabike out there, he put out three outside linebackers, Chris Board, who honestly he could have been replaced too. He was, he did not have a good game. I did not have a good game. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, they could have gone with seven Matabike and then the three, the three big pass rushers, but they went with three big pass rushers board and seven defensive backs. Okay. All right. That's all we need to say about packages. I'm, yeah. I'm sated on that. Move on to the pass rush if uh, if you're good with that. Yeah. Um, so a lot of things in this game about the pass rush, even though they got three sacks, which seems like a lot for the Ravens because it has been a lot for the Ravens this year. Um, they had t- got terrible pressure on Rodgers. 17 out of 34 draft back, dropbacks. He had a three-second pocket. Uh, a lot of the time it looks like he could he could have made lunch back there. Yeah. Um, he was successful when he had ample time and space. He was also successful when the Ravens pressured him. And they only pressured him six times the whole game out of 34 dropbacks, which is terrible. Awful. Yeah, 18%. and I don't remember all six, but the ones that popped out to me it were daggers. They were daggers. Yeah. Uh, there was one time when they, when they went with Averitt on one side, and I think it was Stevens on the other side. Uh-huh. And, like, I'm sorry, but when you're bringing Averitt, who's your best corner. Oh, yeah. Stevens, <laughs> Stevens who's been – who's, like, helping back up, right, the, on, on Devontae Adams. You bring those two guys, you better get there because Seymour and Jackson ain't getting the job done. Yeah. And, uh, and so I – I understood why there was way less, way less blitzing uh, yeah. and way less, way, way less pressure. Cause I mean, you're not going to, you, you don't leave Jackson and Seymour back there alone. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge machismo play there. And, <laughs> yeah. and Wink had to, had to definitely fold after, after basically that rush, but they sent six, they sent both outside corners. It was young and Averett. Averett got home for what looked like it might've oh, been yeah. a quarterback hit on TV, but it wasn't. So he kind of staggered away and didn't do his usual flop. Uh, but he, he, uh, uh, he, he did get home with the pressure, but it was a 22-yard pass to Davis on that play. And like you said, I think it was Seymour over the middle who was, was trailing in coverage on that. Yeah, so, yeah. It, was, it, was, it wasn't pretty. Yeah, not good, not good. So when the ball was out quick, that's when they had Rodgers a little bit better. Only 11, 11 plays for 41 yards with, with pressure or with ample time and space. He had over nine yards per play in both cases. So uh, even though that's where the sacks occurred, that's also where the yardage occurred. And, uh, and that wasn't great. Um, the Ravens only rushed five or more six times in 34 plays, 18%. That's got to be one of the lowest numbers I've seen in the Wink era. Um, now, they, they actually were very good at that. They, the, those six plays went for only 20 yards, so three and a third yards per play. Uh, but but it, was, it was not a game where they were going to take chances pressuring um, 
uh, Rogers, and and they obviously wanted to drop seven into coverage and give give him as many problems as they could with that. So the question to me is, uh, so to me, Wink played it right. I mean, this was. I wonder how much it bothered him because he's such a, you know, pass rush guy, blitzing guy. I wonder if it just like irked him the whole time that he couldn't call the blitzes that he would he would have wanted to. But my question is, is do you repeat that? Now, obviously, bringing extra rushers versus Aaron Rodgers versus um, Joe Burrow Joe Burrow is going to be very different because Burrow's mm-hmm. much younger. Um, and so you don't want to give it – you like to confuse a young guy like that. But, again, given the secondary, would you repeat maybe not this low but playing more coverage rather than pass rush? Yeah, I, I think I, – first of all, I think you mix it up. But second of all, I have, yeah. I have incredible confidence in Wink to come up with a um, quarterback-specific and an opponent-specific pass rush scheme that is effective. And, you know, first I'd start with giving up 31 points to the Packers in this game is not at all bad. Right. It was almost good enough to win. Right, uh, right, right, but, right. But, it, but it wasn't bad given the secondary state throughout this game, the – misery we're in in terms of injuries i mean it's it's frankly it's 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 a very good thing and the offense played well enough that you could say that maybe the defense shouldn't have given up 31 but but it's still i thought it was a a pretty darn good effort by wink to do the best he could uh to get his team off the field and and sometimes they're able to do it and sometimes they weren't i thought the referees didn't do him any favors the officials didn't oh, do any favors in this are game are we going to talk about some of those are let's go ahead okay. let's go ahead and do it now because i think that that you know we got to get it out of our system so Let's start with the DPI. I mean, I didn't like that at all. Oh my gosh, it was phantom. Mm-hmm. It was it was phantom. Like, and I and I've said this. Like, it's it's one thing for the refs to miss a play, right? Like, they can't see everything. So if they miss a penalty, you know, I get it. Sometimes you miss things, but in this case, to me, it was like it was put in. It was put in, and a lot of people saw Seymour's fist, like his hand went into a fist. So you were assuming that that was a hold, Mm -hmm. but he didn't get Jersey. He didn't, there was no effect on the, there was no effect on the receiver. Zero Mm -hmm. zip zilch. There was no hold. There was no holding there. Uh, And there certainly wasn't, you know, a defensive pass interference. And like, it was one of the few times where poor Seymour was actually in the place he needed to be and made a play and they stole it from him. I mean, the poor, these poor Ravens secondary coming off the street, they actually make a play and the refs take it away. Like it was, it was was so absurd. So absurd. Yeah. And and I think what bothered me more about it was the non-reciprocal nature of this because the Ravens missed out on three really obvious holding calls and, and Bowser was screaming at the referees over this, but Q2 15 minutes. If you go back to that, Davis was, uh, this is a tight end Davis. He spun Levine 360 degrees. It's, I mean, it's the most obvious hold possible on a sideline run by uh, a, a short pass to Adams of minus one plus 12, which 11 total yards. Uh, and Levine just got spun around by, by Davis on the play. Obvious holding call, not called. Yeah. Levine didn't even go to the official about that one. I don't understand it. But, uh, but you know, this, there was no excuse for it. Then there are two one in the second quarter and another in the third. Uh, the first one, Mercedes Lewis threw down Bowser, 
before he went out to go for a pass. And he literally used his hands, both hands, like you would if you were a defensive lineman to get somebody out of your way, threw him down, ah. and then went out for a pass. He's a very big man. Mercedes Lewis, in addition to being one of the oldest guys in the NFL, is still one of the biggest tight ends at, at 270 or so. Um, and, and, you know, he, he threw him to the ground, not with the greatest of ease, but he, he did it with the greatest of leverage because he was holding. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, and then he went on to catch a 10-yard throw. Uh, but basically, that freed Rodgers to roll left out of pressure because Bowser was on the ground. And then the, the other one was just ridiculous. Lazard held Bowser's right arm, spun him around, no flag on a, on a RM11. It was actually it was on that side of the, the play. And Bowser turned to the referees and he shrugged his shoulders at it. And, and you know, nothing was forthcoming. When you have that, that sort of contact, you know, that sort of really obvious contact, not drawing flags. I don't know how you call that TPI. I don't know right. how you do. Right. So unbelievably inconsistent. Like, mm-hmm. That, that's that's another thing is like if you're going to call it ticky tack, you know, how can you not get something that's so more so much more oblivious or not oblivious, obvious, this complete opposite word I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, um, I will say real quick on on the Odafe Owe mm-hmm. uh, roughing the passer. Uh, I'll, I think the refs got that one right. And I know a lot of people yeah, are agree. upset with that one, but um, people are, they, you know, hate flops. I hate them, too. People ate flops and it was really soft, but the, the rule is pretty clear. You get one step and the, the intention of it is it's, it, did the defender have enough time to see that the ball was out? Well, when I went back and looked at the replay, Odafe Owe is watching the pass go down <laughs> as, as, he as he's shoving him. So it's like, you saw the ball was out. Yeah. He had, I think three steps, it, it, maybe two and a half. Uh, but he had three steps, and he definitely was watching that ball as he shoves him out. I'm like, bro, like that was clearly the right call. Yeah, super interesting moment on the sideline thereafter. And there are three people involved in this. You probably you probably caught all of this. But first of all, Eric DeCosta is not properly dressed for an NFL game to be <laughs> without a coat and just thinking like a hat is going to keep him warm. I know he's from the Northeast, but come on, man. <laughs> but well, he was he's standing, usually up in the press box, so oh, who knows he's, what he's doing He was standing right next to Harbaugh here and looking yes. at the conversation between him and Owe. And Owe would not look Harbaugh in the eyes. And Harbaugh was you know trying to make it a teaching moment Maybe trying to make it a, just a screaming moment too, but it, it was it was one of those situations. You know, I, I'm I'm looking at uh, his reaction as well because I want to know what the GM thinks about the about the reaction between these players. No doubt right. about it that Harbs was in the right on this. You know, after you, after you see that footage, but I also want to want to consider how coachable Owe is coming out of this. He's proved tremendously coachable in 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 all ways defensively so far. So the question is, you know, is, is this a long-term defect or anything? I don't believe it is. I think it's just one of those things that happened. But uh, um, Yeah, I th- think it's in the moment. He was just, yeah, I could see, I mean, Harbaugh was moving around to get the eye contact. Um, but he, he had to move once. I don't know. I don't think it was, I, I saw what, I saw what you're describing. Uh, but no, I'm not worried about it. All right. Well, good. Uh, let's move on and talk about uh, talk about the individual players here. Uh, who would you like to talk about? You're the guest. Um, I'll start with Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Houston had a had a really good game. Um, not perfect. Um, I usually have time to pile up. You know how I do the blue red notes sure. or whatever. Um, but I didn't. I wasn't able. I, I I'd have to go through my play by play to see it all. But um, 
He definitely had the big uh, shared sack with Bowser, who I'm mm-hmm. sure uh, I'm not going to talk about him because I know that I can tell that you've got a lot to say about Bowser. Um, but he had, and that was massive for both Houston and Bowser to come up yeah. with that sack at that time uh, was, I mean, the Ravens would have had no chance to even be where they got to without them. Uh, from double dipping. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, but it was just this speed rush, this speed rush from Bowser. And then I love it. Cause you know, we watched these, these uh, practices from training camp um, and they had it on, on Houston trying to teach the young guys, but he's like, it's just, it's muscle memory now, right? The way he rips away the offensive tackles hands. And so he had that speed rush and the offensive tackle went to go put his hands on his chest. He had no chance. Like, Houston just ripped, just ripped those hands down and got right towards uh, uh, Rodgers on that. Um, I know that there are more plays. I just don't, I don't have them up here. I thought he was good um, in run support. There was, I'm, I'm forgetting which run play it was, but there he was uh, massive on on helping a you know stop a goal line touch. And I think they ended up scoring anyway. On a, on the next play, go ahead. I got two plays that are that are that are in that vein. The first one is at Q one one forty five, where he shed the left tackle, contained the left edge, and, and Levine made a really nice play on that. And this is an Anthony Levine thing, veteran player jumps through the left B gap, forced the left tackle to peel off Houston and get on him. And that allowed Houston to make the play. Now Levine is uh, lost in the wash. He's not unseen on that play, but he really helped Houston make that tackle. And that was a big deal. So I like that and got to have a shout out to co-cap on that one. The other one came late in the game, Q4, 1023. There's a play action fake to Jones and uh, Rogers threw to Devontae Adams deep in the backfield, six yards behind the line of scrimmage. Well, why was he that far behind the line of scrimmage? Because Houston jammed him way back into the mm. backfield. So he gets that one free shot. And, you know, that's the, that's the shot that Ray Lewis gets on Ocho Cinco or, or uh, Jared Johnson gets on Heinz Ward, you know, in, the, in, in famous Ravens plays in history. Uh, but it deepened the catch point to nine yards behind the line of scrimmage that he, that he caught it. And then he, he had three yards after the catch and it ended up being a good play by Stone to take him. But that, that play was really made by Justin Houston at the line of scrimmage. He almost deflected that pass, too, which was kind of cool. Justin Houston, you know, is to me, he played um, who, by the way, Houston's now on the COVID list. Um, oh, no. When did that yeah, happen? This this afternoon. Oh, um, yeah. So uh, under the new COVID rules. Um, I don't know if he has symptoms or whatnot, but if he's not showing symptoms and the way they have the new testing uh, in the past, you'd think, okay, he's definitely out for this next game. So it's possible that he can still be back um, for the Bengals game. But if he's not, that's a huge loss. Um, I think he just is playing younger than his age. You know, he's still going and he's, he's been fantastic and he was fantastic yesterday. Yeah, tremendous pickup. Um, I, I'll go to Tyus Bowser because we, we've talked a little bit about what he's accomplished. Um, he obviously had the two holding flags that were not called, but he also was the Ravens, most of the Ravens pressure. He had four uh, different pressure events. Uh, no one else had an appreciable number at all. So so it was, it was really him creating pressure on a lot of plays. Uh, didn't look terrific against the run in this game. He, he definitely got beat on the edge a couple of times. Uh, but I thought he, he was really well. He, he played well, uh, so well as a pass rusher. And some of his run failures or run problems were because he was held. I think if those two flags had been called, I think we'd be talking about Tyus Bowser being the defensive MVP of this mm. game without question. It would have been even close, frankly. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, Ty Bowser, I say this all the time for anybody, any player that you want to give up on after they've been drafted, you just remember Tyus Bowser. You remember Tyus Bowser. Cause I remember how badly people were coming from him. Oh, what a bust. What a bust. Second draft pick, second round draft pick. Uh, Ravens can't draft in the second round. Like sometimes it just takes a minute for, uh, for guys to come on. Yeah. I'm, I'm having a problem with your mic. I think it might oh, be sorry. on your hair. There possibly. we go. Yeah, there can you go. hear me better? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I can hear you better. Thanks. All right. All right. Um, so uh, that's uh, yeah. So your turn again, Tyus Bowser. I think we've we've finished on. Um, let me see here. I'm not going to talk about Owe. Um, so Matabike. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, first of all, I want to I want to give a, a quick. Let me do Brandon Williams. Actually, let me do sure. Brandon Williams. Um, I was paying a lot of attention to him for, for whatever reason. He just kept standing out to me. Um, there was, I thought he was, he's, he's just excellent. He's constantly taking on double, double teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not understand just the strength of him, but then to do it play after play after play after play is just incredible to me. The way he just doesn't let almost all the time, the offensive line push him off. Like he just holds so strong there. But there, maybe I dismissed him, so you can tell me, Ken, Ken. In that third quarter, the Packers seemed to be getting their run game going yep. for, for a bit there. When that first started happening, I don't think Brennan Williams was on, was, was on the field. Uh, he, did, he did later on. It was like there's a whole drive where they ran really well, um, and they eventually put, put Brennan back in there. But there were several plays where they were getting chunk yards that Brandon wasn't in there. I think, I think it was Ellis might have been in there for him or, or Washington. Um, and they started picking up those chunk yards. And, I, and then they brought back, or at least so then I started noticing Williams again. And it seemed like they were slowing that, that, that run game back down. Yeah, so he left the game early in Q3 for a six, for a five-play sequence. And there the we Packers go. went P6, R11, R5, R4, and P1. So they certainly did well. Let me see just for the game how much better they were with him in there. Because sometimes that shows up and sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, three point eight yards per carry with Williams in there, um, and three point eight overall for the game as well. So yeah. it, he was he was representative. But every other lineman is is the same or higher, which means they did some of the good work against the run, basically when they didn't have linemen in there at all. Yeah. So um, by forcing some short runs. Anyway, when when you don't have Clayus Campbell in there, and and you know these defensive tackles have to step step up, and and I didn't I I, I thought Justin Matabike had a, had obviously he had that sack, um, mm-hmm. um, in the fourth quarter, which set up the Ravens to go and get their last touchdown. Uh, so that was massive. And the and, and but I just need more of that from Matabike. I need mm-hmm. more of that, especially if we're gonna have to start playing more let less blitzing and we got to put more into coverage i need that more from matabike that was a massive massive play that he had at the end there right he he played a lot of snaps they didn't have him really in there in pass rush situations and he still made himself uh you know known as a pass rush a strange situation but they left a nickel on the field on that last third and five so they were still trying they didn't go with the, the quarter there and they would almost normally always make that switch on a third and five but they left him out there. Matabike got the sack when he finally got a good opportunity on an obvious passing down, and, and that was nice. Uh, I thought he did have some problems getting pushed off the ball, but then that's who Matabike is. He's a smaller three-tech, 
and you need bigger linemen around him to kind of protect him. So the Ravens, one thing that comes out of this game really strong is they're very old on the defensive line, and the mm. young guys they need, they need to get bigger around them. So I, I think that they're going to need to double dip probably on the defensive line in the draft or maybe one draft pick and, and a kind of a meaningful free agent. Uh, but, you know, you, they're, they're going to have to replace Calais Campbell. They're going to have to replace Williams next year. It's possible either of these guys could be back on a one-year deal, but I don't really expect either to be. So I think it's really the swan song probably for both of them. Wolf, I have no idea if he's going to play again, uh, but but he might. Um, so you know, I mean, he it, might play. I thought I, I'm in a raven as a raven. I'm I, I need to yeah. look at his contracts, but yeah, good point. As, as a raven, I, I I have my doubts. Yeah. Uh, so anyway. Uh, I, 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 you know, I loved, I love Williams and we, you know, when you really know you, how much you should love Williams is when he's, when you don't have him and the other team runs all over you. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's when it shows up. So, okay. I mean, I, I don't feel a need to talk about any additional players. I think we've, we've gone through a lot of guys. Josh Bynes, by the way, had another really good game at inside linebacker. He fell down in pass coverage. That's the thing people are going to remember about this yeah. game, but he also had a number of, of stops and, and he's, playing high speed into the gap football. He's stopping people for zero and two yards instead of, you know, four and six and eight yards kind of thing. So if you look at his tackle distances by just uh, doing a control F in the game book and looking for his name, you see it's, you know, it's two yards, three yards, one yard kind of thing. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't really see again, too many other guys standing out. I'm not, you know, we talked a lot about, to me, the guys that really stood out was Stevens and Stone, um, mm-hmm. and we've talked about them. So, yeah. All right. All right. So uh, we don't name MVPs after a loss, but let's go take a quick look at the mailbag because I think there was an interesting question in there we wanted to get to, and maybe somebody else has put something in there since. So let me see here. What do we got? Okay, got one from Connor Kellerstrauss. Uh, Connor, thank you. Uh, with Stevens and Stone playing well, does this reduce the chance of Deshaun being re-signed? Also, assuming Chuck is back, who plays next to him versus Cincy in base and nickel packages? This guy knows his stuff. Both Stevens and Stone have shown they deserve to be on the field. So he, I think what he's saying is that all three will likely be on the field in the dime or quarter package, where you put three safeties at least on the field for both of those. So you don't have that question, but you right. do have the question of who, who's on the field in your base and nickel package. Would you change anything from, from it being Clark and Stevens? Assume he's back. No. Um, I, and I really liked stone. Um, but no, I like Stevens there. I also want, I like Stevens getting more and more experience because to see as far as he, that he's come mm-hmm. in the little amount of time that he's had says to me that there's tremendous upside. Um, so, so I like that continuity. I like getting Stevens in there, and that's not any knock on Stone. I thought he did a great job, uh, but but I'd keep Stevens. What about you? Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you. If we're talking about just in what they do in base, I think you know, given that they played some big nickel in this game, and the fact that the the, the Bengals, I think Joe Mixon is still healthy, but you never know from week to week in the NFL who's who's still healthy right now or who has COVID or what it might be. But it, it's an opportunity to play some big nickel. You know, if they're going to if they're going to not exactly. be in 11 personnel, be in 12, then that's an opportunity to move 
probably Stevens up into the slot. Now, Stevens has experience as a slot corner, and he's big enough to cover a tight end. So, you know, coming off the line of scrimmage, I think that's a reasonable matchup for the Ravens. It probably helps their run game support, and it would get all three of these safeties on the field for more play. So I think there's there's that as an alternative to, to get the best 11, if you want to call it that, on the field. And I don't think that would that would uh, I think they'd prefer that to be the other three safeties than, than have Anthony Levine play any defensive yep. snap. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing about the best 11, uh, 11. And then in terms of Deshaun Elliott, um, even if you took Stevens and Stone out of it, I was already skeptical um, mm-hmm. for the Ravens to re-sign Deshaun Elliott. And it's purely based off of his injury history. Um I mean, we see what's happened with Tavon Young. We've seen what's happened with Jimmy Smith. Um, and that's another reason, by the way, why I like Stevens. Again, coming as a running back, I'm thinking he's built uh, mm-hmm. more sturdy, maybe more durable. Um, and so and so, I was thinking, of, okay, so Deshaun Elliott played all 16 games last year, correct? Yeah, I think he played virtually every snap because the Ravens were playing with no safety net at safety. Right. So I felt like, okay, maybe this is where he's turned the corner, but I felt like he would need a second year to prove that he, you know, has really overcome those injuries. And then this happened, this happened again. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, and again, you've got, look at how much money is sitting on IR. You've got Peters there. You've got Humphreys there. You know, you never know with Tavon. To me, I just don't feel like you can invest that amount of money on a player uh, that gets injured this often. Now, if he goes out to free agency and everybody's just as nervous as I am mm-hmm. and the Ravens can bring him back on a, um, you know, a, a contract that they can handle that, you know, that's not big time money, then sure. Maybe he'll be back, but no. So you combine the injury history with how well we're seeing Stevens and stone. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not betting that, that Deshaun Elliott will be back yeah, as much I, as I love him, as much as I love him. And I do love him. Yeah, I, I love him too. As far as the the way he plays football, I love in terms of being a big hitter. I think he he's another player who would do better to play that pure dime role. And the Ravens really can't. I, I don't think anybody can afford to have him be just that. Um, you know, they they need him to to do something else, play on the back end. He's not a natural interceptor, which which is a downside to being on the back end where I think Stone is much more that guy. Obviously, I've said that many times, but Stevens, I think they, they've drafted to try and be that guy. Not there yet, but mm-hmm. I think you know he, he, he could become that guy. Uh, it, it, Elliot, the, the thing I would love about him is if they, if they could find a way to get him back on a relatively cheap deal, and I'm really talking about very limited money here. I'd be talking about two years, four to five million total. Uh, where, where they could, you know, bring him back as the fourth safety, and he'd probably be the he'd probably be the second safety to start out the year. But the Ravens need to have four safeties to play the dime and and be certain, be reasonably certain, they'll have three healthy for the entire season. And it doesn't help if your fourth safety is a pure special teams guy like Levine. As much as I love Cocap, I just can't see them bringing him back just for special teams. I don't think the Ravens truly have positions that go for that. Yep. Well said. All right. All right. Outstanding. Sarah, I love talking football with you. And we've got an hour and 14 minutes here and, and uh, just had all kinds of fun. Uh, let's, you're doing a project still with Q after the games? Yeah, we still, we still do Twitter spaces uh, after each game. Um, so, yeah, we, we do it. We do it every game. Um, trying to how, think how, do, how do I get on that? How do I find the link to that or 
there's 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 no link if um there's there's usually if you go on twitter and and you'll be going down my me or q's um timeline you'll see our um our profile picture like illuminating like because it's letting you know that we're talking um and then you just click on that because space is just it's space is now built in i mean they're obviously twitter's obviously making it into a big Mm -hmm. thing and and if you bring it up on your phone your main middle button is the spaces button um and it'll usually if you go into that you'll see people that you follow come up it also comes up almost like in instagram where stories are it comes up up top uh to let you know but then I also tweeted out, I also tweeted out, uh, cause I like people to put their questions and comments in my timeline and we usually, mm-hmm. you know, take questions there. So, uh, so I usually tweet out, um, with a link or, I mean, if you're on Twitter and you see me vibrating, it means I'm, we're, we're talking in spaces. Okay. And, and you're controlling the conversation, meaning nobody else can talk when you don't want them to, because we had a problem with having some draft coverage and you probably were there for that at the beginning when some Eagle fan got on and he's you know doing all sorts of obscene images on the screen and whatnot. So right. you're not at risk of that with, with that. Well, well, first of all, it's all audio. It's no video. So okay, they're good. not at risk of that. But yes, the, 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 the host controls who speaks. Um, okay. now the point of spaces is, is to have a lot of people able, able to talk and you can take people in and out of a queue on there. Um, hmm. I haven't allowed it yet. I want spaces to be something that if my kids want to listen to it, I feel totally fine with them listening. Gotcha. Um, and I <clears throat> don't trust everybody on Twitter. That being said, followers that I know and followers that I've known over the years and have interacted with me and it's always been respectful somebody like skeptic goat, if skeptic goat ever requested to come talk, I would let him in. Okay. Um, so, or if you came in and you requested to talk, I'd let you in or if, um, uh, I don't know all your guests that ever come on, but I know that they're <laughs> going to be respectful. If they requested to talk, I would let them in. Um, but usually if it's like the Twitter profile that has no, no picture, and it's like a running number for their, number. their name, I'm like, I'm not letting you in. Or there's some people who just like, in written form, just chew me out. And I'm like, again, I'm not worried about being chewed out. You can chew me out, but I want my kids to be able to listen. So I don't right. trust that you'll chew me out in a, you know, non vulgar way. <laughs> yeah. This is, this is a really interesting platform and I'm, I might try and make use of this because one thing I'm kind of frustrated by on Twitter is the inability to get an answer in within 280 characters. It's just very limiting yeah. for any kind of depth of an answer. So I would love to be able to answer verbally to some of these questions that people leave me and I either have to leave them for attach a, pound, a hashtag film study mailbag to them. So, so we'll get to them here or, or, yeah. you know, do something like spaces, but that sounds like a, sounds like a good platform. It's now. really cool. It's really cool. I mean, one of these days, maybe in the off season, I'll have to set one up with more than just me and Q and set it up to where I know, I already know it's people that I trust and we can have, you know, an actual conversation. Cause that is what spaces is kind of used for to, to let multiple people talk. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. Uh, Sarah, appreciate having you on again. I want to ask people on 25, uh, with regard to 25 years episodes, we may take a few more of these. Uh, keep the ideas coming. I, I, I keep getting two or three good ones every single week. And I, you know, I will keep it going for longer than the season if people want to continue doing this because Raven's history is very rich and I feel like we've only scratched the surface in terms of it. But hit me up with a narrow idea that we can go deep on in about 20 to 25 minutes. Uh, Sarah, thanks again for coming on. One of our favorite guests all the time and, and uh, just I, it raises my spirits even after a difficult loss to, to talk to you in the, after this one. 
I love coming on here, Ken. My pleasure. Um, I always appreciate the, the invitations. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.